go, mighty one, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellberg, a podcast about the Dungeon Call Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. There's a hole in the sky. Something evil's passing by. What's to come when the siren calls you go? To run with the wolf. Tonight we continue our review of seminal DCC adventures from the days of yore. Tonight, another funnel and instant classic, Hole in the Sky. We're going to talk to Judge Brendan about Hole in the Sky, Sabbath versus Dio, read a few emails and do the usual Spellburn stuff, plus a new Dungeon Denizen. All this on tonight's Spellburn. I'm Judge Julian, and with me tonight are Judge Jeff. Brendan, what a beautiful singing voice you have. Thank you, I've been working on it. <laughs> Judge Jen. This is the part where I'm supposed to say something, right? <laughs> and our special guest, a third time is the charm. I think it's third time is the charm for the return of DJ LaBoss himself, Judge Brandon. Hello, everyone. Thank you for Woo! having me on your show. This is so great. And with that, let's head on over to the tavern. Welcome, friends. Good to see you. I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give her a drink of your most expensive. Tavern talk. Here we are in the tavern. I'm sipping some smoked dark lager. It's quite good. Hammerheart Brewing in uh, Lino Lakes, Minnesota. Jeff, how are you doing? Tell, tell us something. Um, I'm doing all right. I've, um, since we last met, I've been running my weekly D&D game on Saturdays with my buddies. And currently... I believe they have turned a temple into the Temple of Bast, and they've now created this portal where they send these like eyeless children who are their slaves to go and fetch um, fresh sacrifices from the near city so that all the giant cats that are around their temple now have meat to eat. Um, so that's kind of something that's happening right now in my D&D game. So that's a good time. And I'm in some uh, weekly janky DCC thing that's on Twitch. I don't know. Maybe Brendan can tell you about it. Um, but um, I've also been doing that as well. And otherwise, that has been all of the gaming that I've been up to since we last spoke. Gentle listeners. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, I'm going to say, what about Jen? I know uh, that I'm jealous that you're getting to do some special super secret Michael Curtis thing, I bet. Well, you know, if you were a, a, a patron on his Patreon, then you would have the opportunity to. Uh, so that's upcoming. Um, I think we're going to be doing that this following weekend. Um, the Shutter Mountains group got back together recently, and apparently uh, we were being run through Escape from Yonder Mountain or, or something along those lines. Um but none of us really recognized it until the topic of change, the big bad guy, came up. And I may or may not have pulled off a nat 20 on Holy Sanctuary while prepping for battle with him. 
standing where I was with the other cleric. Uh, yeah, we maxed that thing out at 32 plus, And now we have Shire Mountain. <laughs> and it's this nice, Ooh. great, big, holy place. I mean, pilgrims, uh, pilgrims, people are like making a pilgrimage to it. And it's become the talk of Shud. Shuds everywhere, really. Um, so... Yeah, lately it's been a little bit of downtime catching up with uh, our ourselves and our own egos. <laughs> and uh, I think we're actually heading into the Chain Coffin adventure next, so that'll be fun. Um, Sweet. And I'll be putting in some stuff for DCC Day. Possibly some stuff for uh, aspiring judges of Lankmar, so keep your eyes open. Very cool. And Brandon, I mean, how could we even start to categorize <laughs> what a week or month is? Is it, is it like 100 hours a week of running games at this point? It's like every day is a con. You know, it, it was for a while. The last, uh, the last couple of weeks have been, well, that's not, you know, I say that. I have stopped my, I, my, my um, Thursday game. We have given over um, uh, 1,000 Insane Worlds, and now we're using that as a platform for, like, uh, third-party people to come on and demonstrate and run their cool adventures. And uh, I'm using that time to playtest new X-Crawl stuff, which has been, um, <laughs> uh, you know, and write and playtested. So I've been doing a whole lot of that of late. Um, I have a uh, I have a new funnel. I started running. I ran for the first time um, uh, this past weekend. And then I also am in that same janky Sunday night uh, <laughs> blades against bandwidth, but you know what was was interesting this blades. week? Let's let's for the for the historical record this this past week uh, we had a few people out. So Tim offered to run us through Dying Earth, which I had uh, I've done some work on but never played before. So I got to play my first Dying Earth thing, and um, also it was memorable. I do if, stop, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff. But that was the first time you and I have ever been on the same side of the screen. Am I right? <laughs> You know, that's true. And I didn't even mm -hmm. think about that. Yep. But it was funny because I'm so you whenever you would speak up during the game last night, it just I kept listening to you as though you were the judge and not one of the other players. Because it's especially like in that kind of format, mm -hmm. like Sunday nights, you're running the game. So I kind of kept for there'd be times where I'd kind of forget that it was actually Tim. Um, <laughs> not because Tim didn't have a commanding pres presence. I was just kind of falling into my, my routine. No, I know. Um, but also our, our listeners can have a little peek behind the curtain here as well. And also know that although that did happen yesterday, that would probably be a good deal in the past by the time this one comes out. Since the last episode of Spellbird we recorded, I haven't even yet edited. So it'll probably be a little bit before this next episode is actually before this episode is actually released mm -hmm. after we've recorded it. Yeah. Contrary to it. popular belief, we have not been able to clone ourselves yet. We are still one human being per person. That, no, I, I'll, I'll double your pay, Jeff. I'll triple it. If that's what it takes. <laughs> anyway, it was really fun to actually play with you on the same team uh, for the first time. And I loved playing my weird that grown uh, yes, uh, you know, person, and you know, and uh, slumping around, boneless, with my exposed brain and my weird ideas about the world. You know what? I would say that game. I was super interior for that whole adventure. I was really like thinking. You know, I was really like, in that character's head, like thinking, "Wow, what? You know, what would it be like to be a? You know, I'm a newly grown, you know, person, fully formed. Never was a child. You know, never <laughs> was anything but like an adult with this weird, 
you know, body God, problems. You, and you were trying to method act it. I was. Oh. I was. I was no. definitely was. <laughs> the which adventure did you guys do? Uh, Tim or did this? not give us the name of the adventure. I know it's something by Terry Olson. It is a Terry okay, Olson. It's Terry's. Yeah. It's like a level adventure it, with like ion stones. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. And it, it plays, it paid such beautiful homage to Dio that I was like, oh, Terry. I'm going to hug Terry so hard the next time I see him, he's going to take a point of damage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. I know. I, I've run that. Uh, that is a really fun adventure. Um, yeah, it was fantastic. Really enjoyed it. Corgut's Frozen Tower of Blood. If I if I don't miss my um, Sounds guess. all right. Sounds yeah. delicious. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> I feel like I've ordered a Frozen Tower of Blood at like Pinkberry once. <laughs> so um, I'm just going to share that I ended season two, as we call it, but it was maybe the grand finale of sort of the... Or- organized play of my long City of the Dam campaign, so hats off to my players for a long time. We got up to session 34. Nice. And uh, let me tell you, giving them wings and extra arms um, might have been an issue, <laughs> as well as too much blesses and backup characters and wrong character gen rules and all, I don't know. Anyway. You know, you uh, know, I was just going to ask, when do you know that it's time to wrap up a campaign? But you just <laughs> right. answered it for us. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we, we went, I, I was trying stuff in this adventure. So um, we, had a, we had a lot of fun. And I will say that one thing, happened which is important to mention because i i do like to as one of my old bosses used to say it's important that we eat our own dog food and i will say <laughs> that um not that long ago we did a, a session with manly michael curtis and uh we were talking about can you can evil wizard adversary npcs you know villains essentially can they spell burn and i was like nope and because the court i believe in the court of uh Intrigue of the Court of Chaos, there was one of the wizards had a spellburn pool or something, right? And to uh, the Dagon as well. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I don't think so. But um, you, they, you either got to let them spellburn or you've got to just give them, you know, like boost their spell checks for that because my, my master wizard was really uh, cleaned up. I had some other presences there that fared a lot better, but... Um, Spell yeah. duel, man. Spell duel. Oh, the spell duel came out, of course. Mighty Matt Towell from Mississippi b- took out, burnt, brought up the spell duel, and I was like, took a look at the two pages of text, and I was like, mm. so uh, we didn't get really. That. Do we need to do this on air again? <laughs> uh, we we probably do actually. I think I think we should run some organized spell duels in a future show, but um. Yeah, we had a great time, and I'm looking forward to doing a bunch of playtesting and other stuff uh, for the summer. We have DCC days coming up in June 26th, which, you know, you might be listening to this around June 26th, but you never know. Um, so, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm uh, sort of cleared the decks for a few months and recharged my cosmic batteries and, and come back to that. Outstanding. Um at this point, I think perhaps we should summon some emails. I call upon the flame to summon you. Who delivered a message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. All right. Uh, our first one is from uh, Reese. 
Uh, Jeff, do you want to take this one? Sure. Our buddy Reese writes in and says, Dear Judges Jay, longtime listener, first-time writer, in the recent, at least to me, episode 106, a famous composer emailed to complain about the use of an egg timer and the lack of an in-depth conversation. I was one of the people who appreciated the timer, especially in guest episodes. Brendan LaSalle just talks way too much and really needs to have somebody rein him in. Wait, oh, wait, 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 Reese, this is never going to be over. You get me? You feeling me, Reese? Never. <laughs> but for real, but for, he, he did write everything except the Brendan sentence. Um, without it, going through Tavern Talk and then the mailbag, it's sometimes almost an hour before the guest is actually introduced. The guest sometimes answers an email or says what they're up to, but it's very little and without context on who the guest is. Answering things faster got to the guest faster. I have a suggestion. Perhaps for guest episodes, introduce a new segment, maybe something called Invoke Patron, Divine Aid, that introduces the, the guest first, ask the usual how did you get into gaming questions, and a bit about what the guest has contributed to, then do Tavern Talk and the Mailbag, and take as much time as you want, then in Mighty Deeds and Mercurial Magic, go into a more in-depth interview. That way, the intersections don't feel like a lot of prolonged delay and more like a part of the interview. I think that would satisfy both concerns. Might even be useful in review episodes. Thanks from the distant past of 2020. I hope the future is brighter. Ah, that's very, <laughs> very sweet. Thanks, Reese, for writing in. Um, does anybody have any thoughts about Reese's suggestions? Uh, yeah, it's a really nice thought. Too late now. We've got Brendan here. We've done the tavern. Moving on. (laughs) No, I I think for a future uh, episode, we could. uh, I'd be open to considering that. I've, I, I took it to heart a little bit, and I'm, uh, I'm cruising it at Mach ten towards our guest portion today. But, um, but I, I feel Reese's feedback, um, and I'm definitely. Let's just say. I'm not closing the door on any of those ideas. And I also think it's worth hearing, you know, because I I feel like a lot of us, I feel like the three of us sometimes forget that not everybody who listens to this show is intimate friends with everybody else who's appearing on this thing. So like when we have like a Dieter Zinnemann or Brendan LaSalle or whoever on here, we all know who they are. So maybe we feel like no introduction is needed, but that's probably not the case if there's more than like 40 listeners of the show. (laughs) So we should probably, yeah, maybe put in more of an effort to make it really clear who our guests are before we do all this other stuff. Perhaps. I I actually um, like to tell the story about how Brendan was the first person I met at my first Gen Con ever way back in the 3.5 era. Mm -hmm. But but I'm ashamed to admit, for a while, I thought Brendan was kind of like the first person everybody met at Gen Con. Like he was the kind of concierge, (laughs) like he'd just sort of greet you, you know, at the taxi or the, you know, hey, man. And, you know, I'm the the Mr. Rourke of the Midwest. Yeah. You know, just kind of like, hey, you know, smiles, everyone smiles. They they could do worse. Let's just say that they could do a lot worse. So, hey, you know, if you're listening, Gen Con 2022, uh, Jen, do you want to reach in there and grab the next one? Um, I can, but I have a question. It almost looks like this should go in Dungeon Denizens. Ah, okay, spoiler. Uh, this one comes from Michael Sheridan. 
He says, love the show. As of this email, I'm on episode 30 and I just started listening. This is my attempt at creating my first DCC monster. You have inspired me. Hermit spiders have barbed legs that pierce victims' limbs to wear them. Often mistaken for undead due to the awkward but fast movements and corpse shell, very young, uh, will take over the body of mice, chipmunks, small birds, and the adults will take over humans, humanoids, deer, dogs, cats, coyotes. And rare elders have been known to take over elephants, horses, cows, buffalo, and even the occasional dragon. When without a shell, they use a chameleon-type ability to hide completely... Uh, still in nearly any environment, dropping or latching onto its victim like a tick, and the victim is unaware until it's too late. Uh, Once the venom is injected, the victim is paralyzed while the hermit latches onto its back, then forces its barbed legs into the victim's appendages. The spider brain is in its belly, but its eyes are on a tall, thin, barbed head, so it can burrow into skulls and use the victim's eye sockets to see. (laughs) Get some. Get some. Good lord. Yeah, okay. DCC, that that that's cool. They have four long legs and four short legs. Once the long legs are deeply embedded into the victim, the small legs clutch the fur, clothing, etc. to try to appear as the original creature, hiding the spider's body. Unfortunately, as soon as it starts moving, it gives way, <laughs> seeing as how it still walks like a spider, making it appear as though the mouse, elk, human, dragon, etc. is walking on its back or belly with distorted legs. Yeah, that's freakish, Michael. Uh, Once it's fed completely off its corpse's shell, which could last days to month, it leaves an egg sac and pulls in the barbs on its heads, uh, on its legs, and leaves the shell. These can be partially armored. A victim could die with a sword gripped in its hand, adding interesting attacks and defenses. Elders are found alone. All others can be found in groups of one to a full colony. Um, AC 13 in shell, 17 out. Uh, Insert stats here, right? Uh, 5d12 hit die in shell, out of its shell, single d10 hit die. Okay, that makes sense. Um, it's got a sneak attack. Uh, yeah, plus nine to sneak. Only a plus one to bite, but d4 plus venom on a successful attack. Fort save to negate. If victim's body is left after combat and hermit spider is still alive, it will enter that body in 1d4 hours, forcing its legs into the arms, legs, and skull, and clutching the <laughs> remains while it feeds. When attacking humans, sometimes the victim's items fall out, leaving a trail to the spider, luring adventures in. Uh, I would love to see an illo for this one, yeah. Kay. I love the idea of, like, the it's got its arm up in somebody's head, it's making it go around the corner of a dungeon, like, hey, come on over here! Exactly. You you know? It's got eye stalk puppets. <laughs> No, I just yeah. I think you just follow the on trail trail to the to to the dude in the cave. The the dude in the cave, you're like you're like you've got your intestines in his hand and it's kinda of leading up to him in the torchlight and he's just looking at you with these really strange eyes through these sockets of the skin skull and he's like, What? Hey hey dude, what? A little privacy here? I'm totally <laughs> totally normal. I'm totally normal. Yeah. So I'm actually surprised that that's not our dungeon denizen, because um, it would totally fit, and yeah. it's perfectly DCC. Judge Michael, so. this is terrific. Uh, really good work, and we should make it a dungeon denizen. We just need, we should really have some art to do yeah. that. 
because that's kind of the dungeon denizen thing. So cool stuff, it, man. It could be anything. You know, your kid could draw it. I'm I'm good. <laughs> just but it has to get like a PDF or a JPEG or something. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, really nice work. I could totally use this, and probably I'm going to forget that somebody did this, and I'm going to use it and claim credit for it at some point. So <laughs> thank you so much. But it was you know read on the air on Spellburn. So. Um, but really nice work. This is a this is a beaut. Uh, the, that was very cool. D- dark comic uh, possibilities are, are quite good. Mm-hmm. I can also see a whole DCC party made of um, hermit spiders who don't know that all the other ones are also hermit spiders, and they're all just <laughs> trying to. I mean, okay. Anyway, it's a re- they call that the reverse thing. I believe. Yeah, right? Right, so, exactly. Uh, you yeah. got it. Very nice. That's where I'm going <laughs> with it. And then and then indeed we also have a dungeon denizen from uh Judge Daniel Joseph Bishop. Um the Ice Ape with a with an illo by Bishop. Now is that Dan Bishop or is that a, a younger bishop or a sideways bishop or something? Or the yeah, older is grandpa that bishop? His, I don't know. One of his kids? I don't know, but it's pretty Daniel. F- pretty cool illo. Uh, it's essentially a sort of ape scorpion type of critter um, in from the uh, distant um, from the chains of mountains known as the world's spine uh, from a temperate climb as one travels ever upward the forests become boreal the trees stunted and at last one enters the regions of eternal snow uh, the combination of an albino gorilla, scorpion, and spider. Um, nope. And yeah, poison, uh, camouflage. So also camouflage, right? Squirreling around in the, in the uh, uh, scroll and uh, ready to come out and poison you and uh, etc. Um, so I'm going to, this one I will, I will load to the um, Dungeon Denizens portion of the website, if I can remember how to do that, and then <laughs> Judge Michael, if throw get an illo on there, and uh, I'll do the same, and that would be excellent. Can't you just see um, uh, um, what's his name, Vance? I think he would do the hermit oh, spider, yeah, uh, illo or Carmen so, or Carmen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean it, yeah. it's right out of Temple of the Rat. Or a temple of the hamster, right? The, the the ice ape is full of a whole lot of nope too. Um, I would like to give Michael a, a uh, congratulatory pat on the back, though, because I know all of the gaming systems say, "Hey, it's poison," but no, for something like this, it'd be venom. He got that correct. I am impressed. Oh. So few people care. Oh wow! Really good point. I'm sure I have made that mistake many, many, many times. It's all over the place in most games. It's okay. Mm. Yeah, that's very good. It's very, just very a good. pedantic thing for me. Very good. Um, I will... Uh, so, um, Dungeon Denizens, they're out there, guys. If you are interested in sending one in, then just put a picture on some stats and do a little write-up and send it in. And we'll post a link to Judge Bishops in the show notes. And uh, perhaps a future link for Judge Michael here in the future and uh, send us some. Outstanding. All right. Are we ready to journey? Do you want me to sing more to kind of set the mood as we uh, get ready to go into Hole in the Sky? I mean, I feel like we need a soundtrack, but I don't know if that's what we need. (laughs) How about My Heart Will Go On? 
<laughs> oh no, it's all Dio all the Don't time. Don't know if that's right either, but How about uh, loving you is easy because you're beautiful. No, some <laughs> Good Some, attempt. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's just more appropriate for me to be sung to than to do the singing. I but, can't even um, think that high. Uh, <laughs> I think enough said. We'll. Uh, I think with that we oh, can way head, more than <laughs> head straight on to Mighty Deeds and Hole in the Sky. Let the combat begin to the death. I behold our hero. Oh, so you want to play rough, eh? Well, take this. Mighty Deeds. Well, hello, Judge Brendan. Hello. It feels like uh, I was trying to decide if you were our most guested um, Spellburn guest. Uh, that's pretty redundant. Sorry oh, about no. that. Our most appearing Spellburn guest. But I guess that's not true. I think no. Harley's been on seven, four times at least. So you, but I think you're a pretty close runner-up. Michael's been on probably three times too. Anyway, I think you must be in the in the higher ranges of that. So definitely honored. And three like, very different kinds of shows, which is super cool for y'all, for me. Well, you know? and and we're gonna also when you get to number five, which eventually, obviously, is gonna happen, we'll we'll do like Saturday Night Live and give you the five time jacket. Oh, That's a thing. Nice. So hell um, yeah. Uh, Jeff's gonna take care of that for us. Thanks, Jeff. Cool. Okay. So um, I I I would like a jacket. <laughs> you should have like a hundred timer jacket or something i'm sure that's yeah it's uh I think nobody she's wants got that. us she's got us yes um, so let's talk about hole in the sky now uh before we go any further this is the part of the adventure where i say um if you are triggered by spoilers you may be triggered immediately following these this sentence so please don't ever email us, twi- tweet us, twitch us, Twitter us, uh, Instacart us, or any of that stuff. <laughs> Just don't do not do it and, and complain that there are spoilers because there could be spoilers in any episode of Spellburn, but there are definitely big time spoilers dead ahead. So uh, you have been warned. Thank you. So, uh, Judge Brendan, tell us a little about Hole in the Sky. Now, first question I had, and I should have looked sure. it up. But I was kind of sure that this was the first DCC adventure. Now, I mean, Dungeon Crawl Classics proper or DCC RPG yes. adventure that you published. So I had written uh, some adventures for the DCC line back when it was for the 3.0 and 3.5 rules. But yeah, this is my very first thing that I ever did for um, the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game proper. Now, now, when I think about, like, Brendan today, if you're running a bunch of games at a con, you're running a couple X-Crawl games, then you're running a couple, you might run Hole in the Sky just for kicks sure. and for a funnel to bring people in, and like one or two of your old classics, and then a bunch of other things that you're developing and stuff like that, right? Yes. You, you, you're kind of all, you, you like to mix it up and do go different places. Do you, uh, at the time, were you... Did you start full bore just running like five different DCT things and building them on the spot? Or did you just like run nonstop hole in the wall for, you know, like three <laughs> times? Or how did, how did you ran, get into it? Sure. Um, I ran nonstop hole in the sky 
um, at a lot of shows for, uh, for a while there. Um, I would be I would be running it um, four or five times per, and maybe one or two X-Crawl adventures along with it. Um, but yeah, there was a. I actually um, I, I I tried to look back through my early. Um, through like early emails to sort of like get a bit of the history. And there's like, if, if I do a search for hole in the sky, it's like all of these, you know, it's, it's, you know, I, I ran, I ran it about 10 times before I submitted it and got a lot of player feedback. Um, and then just started doing it. Like it was my only DCC thing. So, you know, even b- before it was published, after it was published. So, you know, it, it, I pretty quickly um, came up with, I, um, a couple of other adventures, some of them that I don't actually run anymore. Uh, I started running um, uh, a, a couple of uh, higher level ones, one called the Stolen City that I don't really do anymore, that I never was super happy with. And um, But eventually I added uh, Neon Knights. That became my next big one. And it, like that was when I would go to conventions and run Neon Knights four times sometimes, mm, you know. Mm, mm. So. And that is another great one. Oh, Thank yeah. You. No, Thank I mean, we much. could just... We could do a show on that, but but we're not yet. We're not there yet. <laughs> Maybe I'm a couple of years. Well, you know, sure. We're going to do a great second sophomore um, adventure series at some point. Time for, for my seventh appearance, I'd be happy to. Exactly. Yeah. This is what I'm saying. Now, <laughs> apparently, when I look at the Wikipedia of Dungeon Crawl Classics Adventures, it would seem to be telling me that the Hole in the Sky is the second published funnel. Now, we're not counting Portal Under the Stars because it's in the book and it was in the free RPG adventures package thing, booklet. But um, it's interesting because they don't list Frozen in Time as level zero. They list it as one. And I think you can mix it up or play it as one or do whatever you Mm -hmm. want, right? Absolutely. So was that part of... Like it's Genesis and what, uh, you know, did the Dark Master come and say, oh, we got Sailors is great, but we got to do another funnel. Everybody's playing <laughs> Sailors. They're on their second campaign. They want to, you know, they want to do something new. We got to get a, you know, stat. Yeah. You know, um, it, he actually, he absolutely did. Uh, he said uh, uh, a new uh, character funnel was the only real instructions. I I, I was like, I, I really want to write something for Dungeon Crawl Classics. What, what you know, what, what would you like from me? And uh, a new zero level adventure was the first thing he asked for from me. And I, and I started going after it and I immediately started shooting him ideas. So how, how did that process go? Did he give you, sometimes he is, you know, like zeroed in on an appendix and inspiration type thing. Did there, was there one? Did you have one? Did he have one? Was that part of it, um, it or for the, for the final form? Um, I de- it definitely did. You know, like the earlier, the earlier versions. Um, I would say that um, my pro- probably my oh look at that oh, twenty thirteen. Yeah, I found your playtest notes in this. Yep. Awesome, the, awesome tome of wonderfulness. <laughs> that was the absolute very first thing when, when it was when I when I really started thinking about a hole in the sky. That was the first time that I actually produced it. And it's it's not, I don't think it's that close to where it wound up. Um, but uh uh yeah, in you know, in the in the in the earliest incarnations of it, um, yeah, like like so when he asked for my ideas, I shipped him over a couple and he was like, Well, I don't like any of this, but you know, do this bit and such. And what he liked was the Vancian part about scale. I really wanted to do um I had um 
I like like getting ready for um, Dungeon Crawl Classics to start like designing for it. I had started reading the um, appendix end books again, and um, the the one that really kind of like you know I really got into Jack Vance's Dying Earth, and I was really thinking of um, uh, Missouri and the Magician when he has. Um, uh, he has Turgeon like stuck in that tiny little maze and he's like looking mm. down at him and giving him hell. Mm. And I kind of wanted to have that moment. And then the earliest incarnations, it was more like that. There was a creature like the Titan that winds up in the adventure, but he was more of a looming presence throughout the adventure that would be more of a mastermind. And mm. uh, you didn't really fight him so much as he was more of a visual in the, mm. in the early stage. You eventually, um, in the, as I recall, in the very earliest uh, incarnation of it, um, the the idea was that it was like a like you were all the peasants and there was like the 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 king had this um, this great ball to you know uh, celebrate something and in the middle of it the the whole castle explodes and like everybody in the funnel like it, you know it rains down debris over everybody and the people who are begin the funnel are everyone from the entire village who survive. Like you're the old, you know, that's the, you're the subset of the people who actually live through that explosion. And at the center of where the dying, where the, where the, where the castle exploded was a giant mask. And you actually crawled in through one of the mask's eye holes, as I recall it. Hmm. Um, and that led you to his realm. And he was this great big Titan thing and such. So I wrote that to Joseph and he was like, no, no, he didn't like that. He didn't like that at all. Um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, we went back and forth and back and forth. And finally, I actually had the idea at Gen Con. I wrote it um, like between other between games I was running. And that night, I actually for the first time ran it for um, Tom Tullis and the Fat Dragon crew and a couple of their friends. So I ran it for the first time. And it was it was it was it was similar. You would at least recognize it. There was the hmm. bridge. Um, it was invisible. Um, and then they, but they actually wound up having to like go in there and outsmart just the Titan. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the, I was, even, even as I was doing it, I was like, I don't really want to have the Titan be the big bad, you know, the mm. real thing. So um, eventually that became Kerr Maxima and everything. But it was a process. Uh, it, we must have gone through, I mean, four or five different, uh, you know, me, me sending him an idea and him saying, I don't like this part, this part, this part, but this expand on that, you know, it's a, which I don't mind working with that at all. I, I, I pride myself on being able to write to order when, when necessary, you know, and uh, it was very cool for me to kind of have that process with him. Is it, is it like, is it weird that like when you're, you sit around all week and all, you know, trying to write stuff and then you're like dry, 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 banging your head on stuff. And then you go to a con, you're super busy, you're running 16 hours of games and playing in a few games and whatever else and trying to drink yourself into an oblivion and all that stuff. And But then suddenly the creative juices start flowing. You're just oh, yeah. stimulated by everything going on and all the games you ran and the games you played and the people you talked to and mm-hmm. the cover of some random thing you saw at oh, the yeah. Black Blade booth or whatever it is. And you're just like, wow, wait, no, that ah, You know, yeah. like... The... Um- the uh, <laughs> speaking to that, like um, leaving uh, Origins one time, I had an idea for an X crawl adventure in the back of the car as we were heading back to Georgia, and uh, wound up breaking up my laptop and writing pretty much like as as showed up uh, Necromerica, which was the first X crawl adventure I wrote for good for publication for Goodman Games, and hmm. I, I I think I wrote like the first six thousand words before I got home, just like. Wow. You know, just on fire, feeling so like, and after, yeah, we, we had just gained for six days and you're just, you know, for me, I was just, just flowing, you know, and it felt so good. 
Hmm. And so, right, I, I got home and was like, all right, I'm going to get home, say hi, buckle down and finish this thing up. But what actually happened was I fell asleep and uh, wound up <laughs> working on it for another two months. And, you know, so. Was there, did you guys feel like there is, was you, were you trying to carve out a different space than sailors? Because I, you know, it has this fairy tale vibe to me, both like the Definitely. lady, the woman in blue, she's, you know, she's got these orders. She commands you like a witch or a fairy godmother or whatever. She's kind of little of both, you know, and there's an invisible bridge. It's got all this kind of primal sort of archetypal things. So there's a giant, you know, you've got to climb the vine and go up to the giant almost in a way. Like it has, sure. even though it's not about that, it has that resonance of that, right? And it's Absolutely. so different than the kind of, you know, neither better or worse, obviously, anything like that. But Sailors has this, you know, deep, dark sort of metal Warhammer vibe, you know, like where, you know, Beastmen and Ziggurats and all that stuff. And, you know, Hole in the Sky is a little more like, you know, archetypal uh, Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro kind of stuff. Ooh, you know, hey, I love bit, that. Right? Uh -huh. Hell I yeah. mean, the, the Kerr Maximus, you know, the crazy, that stuff. I, I, I mean, did you guys set out to make, carve out a different space? Were you like, hey, make this one more? Or was it just like, hey, that's uh, where it was going? You know, Process I was, of evolution. <laughs> <laughs> I was definitely going for a different space, but not in that regard. I was going for a different, okay, so um, Sailors on the Starless Sea was the very first adventure I ever ran uh, in, in, for good in, in, you know, in Dungeon Crawl Classics. It was the first one I ever tried. And um, I ran that for a group of my friends in Athens. And, um, you know, at, at the at the end of the game, when everyone's leveling up, um, my buddy Dwayne Waldrop, who is, uh, he's my, now he's my cousin, where now I've, I've uh, married his, uh, his wife's cousin and I are, you know, <laughs> I are now I've been together for 10, oh, getting, getting on, you know, 10 what, years. Is this but, um, a Georgia, what happened? I don't even. Huh? <laughs> you know what happened? The, the quick version is, for like, I, I've known Dwayne since I was a, a like a, like in high school, and um, ever since we were adults, like him and uh, my his my my wife's cousin, they were always like, you two should meet. You guys would get along so great. You know, you and Laura, you and Laura, you and Laura. We finally did meet, and it was literally like, you know, we met. We decided to go out on our first date. We decided to move in together, and on our second <laughs> date, we decided to get married. Wow. So, Hot we, damn. Wow. Just, you know, sometimes two people are just made for Sometimes each other. you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. everybody. That is men so are, awesome. Men are not afraid of commitment. I'm just calling it right here. And we're going to move not on what? quickly from that statement. Um, <laughs> all right. Okay, so during your, your evolution and developmental phase, sure. what's the biggest thing that changed as a result of the playtesting or. Uh, okay. Um, well, I will tell you, this one had a very slow creeping evolution. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it went from being like, in some ways, just making the action more interesting. Like, originally, I think the only monster in the entire thing, other than Kerr Maxima and the Titan, they were all Chaos Pigs in the original, my original conception of it. And then... Um, I, I liked the idea that, like, they had loaded the prison with creatures of chaos because um, uh, Drazetta, her powers work better against lawful creatures. So they did it intentionally to thwart her. And I, I, I like the idea that, like, I like the idea of, you know, chaos destroying itself and, and, you know, sort of being, you know, sent at itself. And also it kind of being a clue that there's something, you know, you know, going on here. Um, but in the 
the the intent always stayed the same, and that was to give characters the opportunity to do some kind of advancement after the funnel. You know, when we the first time I ran Sailors on the Starless Sea for my friends, um, they were like, "Well, you know, I'm ready to level up to level one, but I had this dumb lucky sign that I can't use." You know, it's it's spell damage, and I'm a warrior. How do I how do I fix that? And I'm like, well, that's that's permanent. And I had this little weird rebellion at the table of like people like this is you know we've done all of these things. I want to change that. And mind you, these are the folks that I played Pathfinder with for like years, mm. and some of them still refuse to play DCC. Nothing but love, you know. So, um, you know, that was one of the things I wanted to do with the adventure. Like, but like the overall thing outside of story and form and archetypes was I wanted to do a character funnel where at the end of it, they had an opportunity to make some changes like that. Not a hundred percent certainty, but the ability to actually have some kind of not even like a, like character growth, but like metamorphosis where they would actually come out altered somehow. And I kept, I kept hearing that bit from, um, what is it? First night, like, you know, can a man change one stars, you know, and I love mm. the image of them specifically trying to like, you know, like, cause you know, this is DCC. You don't just have to, that doesn't have to be rhetoric, you know? And that mm. was one of the things I did. And the, mm. you know, the, the, the real beauty of DCC compared to designing for other systems is that you can go cosmic at zero level. It's always out there. You know, this is a, a such a beautiful engine for weird fantasy that, that really sort of guided me in those early days. Like, I, I remember thinking, I don't have to do a dungeon or anything. I don't have to do a map. I can make this however weird I want to and and however strange. And, you know, I, I kept, you know, at this point, I've been doing X-Crawl for 10 years, and I'm thinking set piece, set piece, set piece, crazy bridge, big thing here that, you know, the, you know, so it, it kind of came together as a connection of those. But the, the, once I had the form of it, once it was like, it's an invisible bridge, they're going to go there and this, uh, cosmic figure is going to hold the wheel of fortune, uh, the, sorry, the wheel of destiny over their heads. And, and that's a, I'll, I'll tell that story too. But, um, once I had that, then the stuff that changed was really incremental. You know what I'm saying? It was small things. Every time I would run it, I would do things a little bit differently. And very often things would happen on the fly, um, including the, the, um, the madman who they meet and who could like give away clues about what's really mm. going on and rant about it. That spontaneously happened at a game one time mm. when they, um, they found a cache of weapons and thought they looked around for centuries and I decided, yeah, there's a century there. Why wouldn't there be, you know? So the, I, I love the, the irony of Pathfinder guys, uh, making the, I mean, are they, is are they just rules lawyering? Are they making the, you know, the bid for more narrative agency in a role-playing game? Like Pathfinder uh, finally rules for going upstairs. You know, yeah. and, you know I, I love this group very, very much. They really wanted to be able to change their lucky signs to things that matter to their character sheets because that way, pow, more bang for your buck. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, a, it's a feat tree. Right, but, oh, the, God. but the wheel of destiny <laughs> gives you some of that. It, it gives the players the illusion that they have that agency, but it's still a random roll. Yeah, so, it, so it, maybe yeah. it does. Maybe so it does. let's let's pause here because I wanted I wanted let's we'll get to the wheel of destiny, but let's let's give but people we're on an it overview. Now, Julian. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> but but let's give people a little bit of overview. Stab it like a chaos pig. Come on. Some of our some of our <laughs> listeners don't have any idea what we're talking about, and we should have maybe given a quick summary. So uh, uh, I'll do it now. Well, they're they're spoilers, and Brendan well, just it's okay. said I'm it's not worried about the spoiler aspect, but rather the you know keeping people having some idea what we're talking about aspect 
the so did venturers feel you know like they've always lived in the wrong bodies and so on right like they're living the wrong lives they go to a cliff they meet the woman in blue she's got a bunch of severed heads that talk for her that's not creepy right <laughs> and then and the severed heads that speak for her tell her that uh hey go on this invisible bridge that will appear tomorrow Go, you know, march out over the ocean on an invisible bridge for X days. You'll find a hole in the sky, go through the sky, uh, which, you know, presumably they'll do. And then uh, free my friend whose name I'll write in the sand and you can't speak the name. Again, like fairy tale logic all the way through this thing, which I think is really great. Um, and so then they do it. They go to the hole in the sky. They find a sleeping titan living in this weird tree wooden tower. They, they find their way up the tree to, um, you know, have a bunch of encounters. And, of course, eventually they, if they survive, they encounter the person, the thing, entity thing that they're supposed to free. Uh, and hilarity ensues. Um, but if they, presuming that they survive the, that whole climactic encounter, they, at the end, they actually, they're... Uh, they have a chance to spin the wheel of destiny. That's the reward from the woman in blue, right? Is that they can, they can yes. actually change their stars, just like uh, first night. So, um, for, but before we get there, I, I got to ask about the bridge. It's just <laughs> the bridge is the, one of the most messed up encounters I've ever seen in any game. It, and which is not even an encounter. There's no combat or anything, but the bridge goes just off the cliff for like two or three days you march hopefully they brought stuff they get attacked by warty um birds and i love that picture by i think mccausland of the warty vulture things it's really (laughs) funny and then but then they march out for two days and the bridge stops it just stops invisibly in the middle of the ocean and they're two days out probably out of supplies and nothing and there's nothing happening and i think it i think they have to wait another two days for the hole to appear yes two or three days yes and it is so so when i ran i ran this last year at a con i ran it twice and both times i played it totally as written and people were just like I, I thought one table was going to rebel entirely because I was like, well, you know, they're like, well, we're going to wait. So and like one faction of zero levels just decided to go back, including like multiple players said, well, each took a character and said, well, we're going to go back. So there was one gang of ones that went back to the cliff or tried to anyway, and the other gang that stayed there. And but, and, you know, of course, there's always the one guy who's like, no, we just have to trust and have faith. I dive off the bridge, you know, and it's like, okay, well, you see him plummet, you know, hundreds of feet to his death in the ocean and he is no yeah. more. You My know, favorite part is how people try to uh, stay up there during, like, weather. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I've seen so many clever, you know, uh, ways of not getting blown off into that storm. And, uh, you know, how many people show fans, listeners, how many people actually took the table with them onto that invisible bridge? (laughs) Oh, no, no, none of my guys were that clever, but somebody always eats the rotten food. That's at the banquet Mm -hmm. at the beginning on the cliff when, when you show up. So that's, I'm always like, who's going to eat the rotten food? But there's always, because you have four characters, somebody's always like, well, nimble, the candle maker will eat the rotten food because you know, he's not that bright. What could go wrong? Um, Exactly. 
But I mean, that bridge encounter, I just got to say, if you, the bridge thing, I don't even know if it's an encounter. Yeah. You know, if you, it, it would be easy to hand wave it or just ignore it and make it the whole, you get to the end of the bridge, the hole pops up, go through the hole. Don't do that. Make mm -mm. your characters and your players really suffer yeah. through the, through the, um, a total unknown, right? Yeah. It's the weirdest mystery that has no, it's a joke that has no punchline, yeah. right? You just actually have to wait because the gods don't give a shit about you, honestly. No, you, exactly, you know? I love the image of them, like, because so the bridge is disappearing behind them as they go up there. So by the time they get to the where the end, end is, now they have a space of air, 60 feet by 20 feet, that they have to spend two days on, you know, all like within feet of each other. And just, I, I love the image, I mean, of just looking around and it's nothing but you and the sea below you and the sky above and nothing, you know? Like you're such a, it, it reduces the character to being these such small actors in these huge, you know, moments. And uh, I hope, I hope, I always try to describe that. I mean, I, you know, I do this adventure in four hours flat, no problem. But I always try to give that a little bit of weight because I really like, I love the idea of everyone up there. Like, I mean, that would be truly horrific if you were like, and, and you don't know how long it's going to be, you know, that's yeah. uh, so. I, I think I think Doug was hanging out the second time I ran it just to, at the next table. And of course, he was, you know, like just kind of watching and uh, whatever. Uh, but he was just hanging out drawing or something over at the next table. And the, when that happened afterwards, like we took a break after that. And he's like, you're a dick. <laughs> I heard something. I can't remember what he said, but wow. maybe he said that's a that is a dick move. Yeah, uh, in general. But anyway, it was pretty funny. I'll um, take it. Yeah, oh, I mean, speaking get... of Doug, this is like your first Doug cover, isn't it? Yes, this is my absolute first Doug cover. Yeah, it sure is. And wow. um, I had, I beat. had, yeah, like you know, very often, you know, you'll send uh, illustrators ideas for for things and such. And uh, I did not do that. I, I sent in um, ideas for, like, I, I sent in uh, like a, a request for illustrations. And um, Doug came up with this cover, which is, is, this is nothing. I, I really wanted Kerr Maxima to be on the cover. You know, I love the idea mm. of this flaming jack-o'-lantern, like, ah, you know. Um, he did that, and it's, it's uh, you know, I, I never, I didn't see a sketch. I just saw the final thing, you know, just sent, me to an e sent it to me an email. And it was like, you know, like, I, you know, I, I thought I was going to pass out. It's just, it's such a, it is such a great drawing. It, it tells the story so well, and it really tells the story of a character funnel so well, you know, with this motley assortment of people there. And like, there's a dog on the cover, like, you know, like there's, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, cause a lot of, uh, a lot of these funnels have animals that go along with them. And I, I love that. And um, I, the, the, the picture of the Titan is so much better than I ever conceived of it. You know what I mean? And my, my little brain flies are so good. I just, I'm absolutely yeah. in love with it. And part of me, there's a figure on the front. It's got the a fork, a, a pitchfork there. Hey, I, in my imagining, it's a little bit, it just looks a little bit like Doug. You know what I mean? <laughs> and he's right in the middle of the action where he's like, I'm screwed here. I'm going to get crushed by giant forces. I, you know, so. But, but that the Titan on the cover, I could never... I could never describe the Titan that way without seeing it. But seeing it, you're like, it's so perfect, right? Yeah, it's just, it makes such perfect sense. Now. Yeah, he mm -hmm. he looks like he has to look. It's 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 perfectly yeah. uh, visualized. Of course, the other great thing about it is this: the, you know, right away you get the scale of it, which is what the adventure is all about, and yes. what a funnel yes. in a way is really all about as yeah. well as a concept, right? So 
So in both ways, um, yeah, it's it's a tremendous cover. And then the, just the weird use the the use of that weird pink orange color thing is amazing mm-hmm. as well. Well, if yeah. I recall, they did a, a sketch cover variant of it as well. Yeah, I'm sure. Yes. Is it which black? is funny is, because that's the version Brendan didn't see. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's uh, yeah, terrific picture. I'm sure that I'm sure I'll, one day I'll just pick up that uh, original art for a few bucks or something. No, <laughs> no problem. So, uh, are there any more? Do, does the woman in blue, aka Raxara, or? Uh, Drazetta, I, I forget how you said her. I was. I would say Drazetta. I would say Drazetta. Do they do they um, feature in any more adventures that are in, out there? Absolutely, in my imaginings, um, uh, <laughs> Roxara is actually, if I recall correctly, is. Um, uh, you know what? This is so dumb. I should have looked at this before we started. It just popped it in my head. Uh, I believe Roxara, I believe, is the same creature that shows up in uh, one of my earlier DCC adventures. Uh, it's number 33, Belly of the Great Beast. I mm. want to say wow. that... Um, am I wrong about that? The he was fear and righteous might. Uh, yeah. Mm. Uh, you can take a look in there. Um, he... <laughs> he might just call himself he who is feared righteous might in that one. In my mind, the line between the two of them, you know what I'm saying? But maybe that's just, you know, me revisiting it years later. But he's essentially this, like, this um, creepy thing that will be the god of anything. Like, he'll basically, like, reach out and be like, oh, you're a you're a, an ink setter? I'll be a, the god of ink setters, you know, and sort of, like, offer you power that way and sort of allow you to sort of, like, mold him and be customizable. But he's just, you know... I'm not 100% certain about that, but I, I think that Roxara first showed up in, I think it's Belly of the Great Beast. And I think you only see him for, um, like, he gets a mention, I want to say. It's been a minute. Did, um, now, I will say Judge Jen uh, dazzled me with her encyclopedic recall earlier today when she was when she said... What do you mean, Julian? Don't you don't you remember the fiction? And I was like, <laughs> fiction. And she's like, you know, from the program. She'll tell us exactly the chapter and verse. But she's like, from the program guide. I'm like, Goodman Games Gen Con was program drunk. guide for 2015. Sorry, the one with the wizard band on it. Yep. And it is truly a hidden treasure. So I, there you go. A lot so of people bought this and just kind of flipped through some of the stuff with stats. And ignored the rest, like the interviews and and the fiction. Um, don't do that, man. Go back to it. Trust me on this one. Well, I I will. Do, I'll absolutely do that. I uh, I I I literally just had no idea that such a thing existed. So that is yeah, that's it, awesome. It it didn't really it didn't really catch on. I don't think, uh, which is fine, you know. But um, well, I, you I, know, but I, I, I'm know still that it. I think it may have gone into. Uh, Tales from the uh, Magician's Skull instead, if we're looking for fiction. Did it? I, I, no, I'm, I'm not that story, but oh, the, oh, the whole oh, idea of writing yeah. fiction that oh, might be related. Oh, oh cool. Because yes. they put DCC stats to pretty much everything in Tales of the Magician's Skull. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there's from. plenty of DCC adventures that if you really were motivated, you could you could pull up a thread and write a good story about it. So, hey, why not? Yeah, I've... Uh, yeah, I'm still very fond of that. And like, um, it's, it's funny. I don't remember if it was my idea or Joseph's idea. It was probably was Joseph's idea. Uh, but uh, I do remember it getting stuck at it at one point and like 
calling Harley up and being like, Harley, I just don't know how to end this. It's, it's supposed to be a character funnel and this. And, blah, blah, blah. and he's like, well, just, you know, uh, it, it'll be okay if they all die. And I was like, it was like the master had reached down and given me permission to do what I knew was right. Like, yeah. Wow. Now, here's the thing. They don't all die. You should read it. But, uh, you know, it's. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. a lovely prequel, right? Yeah, it's, it's a prequel to the actual playing of the adventure. So um, you probably it is, however, shock-a-block spoilers. So you probably shouldn't if you want to play it, you probably shouldn't read it first you should, but if you want to run the run the adventure as a judge then maybe yeah take a look and uh you know um you know uh maybe glean some ideas from it it's got a it's got a cameo from cesar Khan. i uh for you know I, nice I, you know always love uh you know slipping that freak into a story so so <laughs> let's come back to the wheel of destiny now sure. at last now <laughs> it can be done I don't know. I'm over it now. I know. I, I just follow an agenda. I'm not that clever. I just follow it as I keep telling people at work. So, you know. Well, we're with somebody who puts the gen in agenda. So. Oh, hello. See, 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 hello. see, see. Uh, Well, he's married to one, too. So careful there. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair, fair. also true. And also she's true. a Jeopardy winner. Gen Jeopardy, as we call her now. Um, nice. So the, the wheel, though. Um, is there? We we kind of talked about it, and it's it's a it's a twenty sided roll, and you can come out in a lot of places here. I'm actually sitting in the dark because I'm a nerd, but there are there are a lot of so you basically make like a twenty sided check, uh, add your luck if I remember correctly, yes. and but it's also modified by stuff you've done in the adventure. So the judge has to take a few notes, not really you know, overwhelmingly so, but, you know, make a few notes because there are a few things that can trigger, you know, greater or lesser uh, bonuses, boni, sure. as you go, like eating the rotten food or uh, saying uh, Drizetta's name and stuff like that, right? First one on the bridge, first one through the hole in the sky. Right. So that kind of stuff. And then uh, depending on how well you roll, you, uh, I know the best roll, you get to totally like redo your, um, uh, you actually get to, do you get to re-roll your stats? Yeah, uh, uh, the, the best possible roll, um, yeah, you can actually have a new occupation. You would get a, you get to re-roll your birth auger and lucky roll twice and keep which one of the ones that you want. So that's a really good one. Like, you can actually decide, okay, well, hey, I'm a cleric, so I'll keep magical healing or whatever it happens to be for your, you know, for your magical R. And hopefully a plus two on your luck score will actually help you get a positive modifier on that as well. But it mm. also changes your identity. So suddenly, you know, you're older or younger, you look physically different. It can change your gender. It can change your racial subgroup. You know, so like, I love the idea that they've gone through this and they come through. Cause you know, part of the problem with funnels is that people don't take their funnel characters seriously. I'm kind mm. of hoping that when they get to the end of it and they, they actually roll us up, suddenly you go from being like, pun name the gong farmer to you know you know you know brought talk the mighty or whatever it happens to be you know um uh so i really wanted to kind of like draw a line with that and be like all right this is the old you this is the new you and the new you is now you know ready to adventure you're out there ready to you know to um you know make things happen you know that was what but that was the one thing you know i was trying to i admit i was trying to win over my my pathfinder happy character players 
And I uh, thought, okay, well, what if we gave him a way to, to, to make those changes and actually to, you know, sort of level up a little bit? But, of course, it's DCC, so there's also a chance that you die from rolling it and then you have another character come back. But what I actually thought that might be a, you know, that to me tries to fix another problem with funnels is you fall in love with character A and he dies immediately. So this way um, would give someone a chance to actually draw back in their hand and go, okay, you know, well, you know, this. Yeah, I was going to say, don't don't the characters that died have a chance to roll themselves? Yeah, they, and then they get to roll again. Yeah, they get yeah. To, if they die, they come back. It's, it's it's as if they had never died, and it's as if the person who rolled that had died during the adventure in their place, and now they have, uh, you know, they basically start over with a new. You know. I, I think in a campaign, it would really have this strange echo through campaign play, where you're like. Oh, oh, remember when Bertram the Dwarf was actually Larry the Cabin Boy? But only exactly. three of us, yeah. Yeah. only yeah. three of us remember that Larry died in a weird Titan space, which now we sort of feels like a dream. And and now he's a, but it may be, well, a, you no. know, maybe no, gradually they just forget that ever happened, you know? Uh, what page is this? 14. Uh, everyone recalls the newly dead character having been killed by whatever circumstance that slew the character just returned to life. Oh yeah. So but... history is rewritten. <laughs> no, yeah. absolutely. So you don't but... you don't even have that that moment of hey, wasn't that so and so? No, it has always been like that. In my in my campaign, there oh, that guy so always funny. has a little error, you know, just uh, just this creeping doubt and dreams of his old life and uh, <laughs> That's awesome. for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. That would be really fun in a campaign mm-hmm. play, I think. Well, here's a here, here's a fun thing. Originally, I was calling it not the Wheel of Destiny, but the Wheel of Fortune, because of course it's all based on the Road of Fortune, the mm. uh, the you know the magical the, the sort of the abstract wheel of uh, destiny that um, Bothius wrote about in Constellation of Philosophy, which I have not read, but I'm a big fan of John Kennedy Tools, um, uh, not Neon Bible, the other one. Um, uh. Confederacy of Dunces. Uh, Confederacy of Dunces, yeah. yeah. And like, he is always quoting Bothius. And like, Bothius' philosophy is basically like, ah, sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. <laughs> as far as I can tell. If there's more to it than that, I'm, I'm I, you know, that character didn't get it, neither do I. But like, so I really wanted to call it the Wheel of Fortune, which is a, an actual classical term, but the jokes never stopped. And he'd be like, oh, where's Vanna? Oh, where's Pat Sajak? And it was like, uh, Wheel of Destiny. So that was actually, I think changing it from the Wheel of Fortune to the Wheel of Destiny was like in the in the very last draft. I want to say mm. the first draft still had it as, like the, the draft I turned in and got changes back from Joseph on, like, you know, he sent it back. He didn't mention it, but when I sent it back to him, I'm like, oh, and I changed Wheel of Destiny to, or Real, Wheel of Fortune to Wheel of Destiny because my knuckleheads can't stop making jokes, you know? <laughs> so... <laughs> Now, Brendan, I also feel like you kind of can have continued to build on this with future funnels like the Accursed Heart of the World Ender. I feel like you do a really good job of making these funnels that ensure that your zero level characters that survive are going to be really interesting. Thank you. I, I really try. I, that was, yeah, um, you're talking about uh, Accursed Heart of the World Ender, which is my other uh, published GCC funnel. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I really wanted, I wanted to both get you, you know, to both differentiate your funnel characters a little bit to make them a little bit more interesting during play, but also if they survive that, that you've got something really distinct that happened to you there. And now you go forward as this really, 
you know, amazing character. Now, how does it turn around to bite you in the rump? Well, you're on a popular, a semi-popular Sunday night DCC show where you started off with that one, and you got three people who have an 18 agility or uh, or uh, uh, luck because they rolled it up nicely on the uh, table there. So yeah, I had one strength 18 arm. Yeah, it was, <laughs> was so, and it was so fun. You know, it so, was a blast. Yeah. What kind of Easter eggs did you pop into this one? <laughs> All right, so uh, you are notorious. <laughs> I, I really am. Okay, so the one here's the thing: the, the 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 key one really is going to date me. Okay, um, but I, I will mention that at one point, like, well, there's a couple of little things. I kind of like not even Easter eggs, but I'm just sort of like laying tracks for later adventures. Um, when you meet um, the lady in blue, she tells you that the um, the wheel and destiny is one of like I think it's like one of the seven pillars of the universe or something like that. So there's, Oh, what are the other six pillars? They could be out there, you know, but the, the, the one that I, you know, that I, you know, kind of the joke I snuck in. So, um, the dwarf that you meet inside there, his name is Carlos Gend. Okay. So, um, uh, the Carlos, the dwarf is of course a joke based on, um, freaks and geeks. Um, when I can't remember the actor's name, but he sits down to the, the, one of the cool ones sits down to join their Dungeons and Dragons game. And he's like, well, I'll play a dwarf, but my name's going to be Carlos. Hmm. Um, and, uh, (laughs) you know, so he, he's that, but his last name though, and this is the thing I I was always hoping someone would eventually catch this, but no one ever picked this up. Uh, his last name is Gend. Okay. So I, I used that, that Gend comes from the Dwarf to English Dictionary in the back of an issue of Dragon Magazine. And uh, Gend is actually the Dwarven word for danger, making his actual name Carlos Danger, which uh, if no. you're <laughs> The wiener. <laughs> Anthony Wiener's his, his sexting name. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I was pretty proud of that one. Still am. That's wow. amazing. Yeah. That, like, wow. works on so many different levels. That's right? very, very impressive. You know, you know that when it gets reprinted, Joe's going to be like, we're striking that. <laughs> oh, he might. He, hey. he, he loves it when I do little weird stuff like that. He, he always I kid, has. I kid. Wait a second. That explains all those weird texts you sent me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> Wait and you know the, the the thing about it is really the whole adventure. I mean, it's 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 hole in the sky. You know what I mean? It's like I'm looking through the hole in the sky. I'm seeing nowhere through the eyes of a lie. I'm getting closer to the end of the line. I'm living easy, but the sun doesn't shine. The whole thing, obviously, the lyrics of the song that it's named after definitely inform it. But like the whole thing is about layers of deception, like sort of like going through and trying to find truth. Like you feel like you've been lied to your whole life, and then somebody shows up and lies to you about that, and you go with them because it feels like truth, you know? So the, um, like, I, I kind of like the, the you know, the idea that this is a fake name for a guy who then would go on to deny it, you know, I don't know. Is it, so, no, this is not a shout-out to uh, Run With The Wolf on, uh, you know, uh, Rainbow Rising. It's it's <laughs> Sabbath. Is that it? Is that what you're telling me? Because this whole time I was like... <laughs> You know what? If, if if that rainbow song was in there, it was absolutely subconscious to me. It's always been, you know, my, my I, I am a I was a lapsed metalhead, and when I, you know, except my 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 metal period was about two years, you know, like eighty. 
85 to 86 or 87, maybe, you know, and like, I mean, not live shows. I'll go see live metal whenever it's, you know, like bands that I love at, from that era, but I'm, I am not the biggest metalhead. But when I picked up the DCC core book again after, you know, and like got into it, I literally, I hear Ozzy and Dio and, you know, Armored Saint and all those bands when I look at the illustrations, when I think of the game in my head. So, um, yeah, so I really was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, it, 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 I felt like DCC gave me the opportunity to sort of like, you know, not just like, you know, grab that imagery, but do almost an homage, you know what I mean, to these songs that I absolutely love, you know, especially Hole in the Sky, favorite Sabbath album, uh, Sabotage, and, uh, you know, sort of like, you know, make that a part of it. And uh, I'm still, I still mean to do five, uh, if I, you know, if I don't die first, I still mean to do five Black Sabbath adventures for DCC. So see, I thought I thought you were going on a Dio tip because you've got the Dio Sabbath album in Neon Nights going. So you know, to, feel, to me, it's all Sabbath. Uh, I, I I celebrate their entire catalog. You oh, know? Very nice. And, uh, <laughs> very nice. Uh, well, I, you know, I was thinking maybe we'll have. Uh, see, I thought maybe you're doing the whole Dio. Ca- well, anyway, whatever. I, I'm waiting for a Holy Diver adventure. I think it has to be I, level three. um, i'd love i'd I'd love to do that i'd love to do like um something like egypt and the chains were on you couldn't call it that but like you know like that that's a heavy uh, when i the the last time i saw a deal i was like standing 10 feet away from the stage and that was the last song i saw him do was egypt and it just like i don't know it did something to me i've always one day i will do something not in egypt but with that kind of imagery you know Mm, um mm. i don't know one day well, what uh, we're going to probably wrap it up in short order here, but um, this has been great. I'm looking back at it, and it's—I think it's been a very successful adventure. It's uh, something that still gets run a fair amount. I had a blast running it last year. Oh, it's um, definitely a fan favorite. Oh, absolutely, and it—it's also uh, one thing we haven't touched on, but it's also, in my opinion, I don't know what you guys have uh, found, but I find it really nice to run in a nice four-hour con slot yeah um although i think the ending would really be great in a campaign but i do find that it uh, really fit that four-hour slot nicely and that was one thing that was was really great about it plus there's a few you could collapse a few things if you really were having trouble moving them along you can always you know it, it was it's easy to kind of to shorten or lengthen things up a little bit too within it so that's nice um, I do have one quick question for Brendan. Absolutely. A lot of the funnel adventures, you can actually run with first level characters. Like if you've got some new players that have zero levels and you've got the, you know, single level one that this dude's playing. Um, how would you or would you ever deign to have a first level character in this? You know, um, I, would you just re-roll his class at that point? Oh, that's interesting. Uh, hmm. Yeah, I think if they rolled high enough, I think I would have to let them re-roll their class uh, and uh, just decide, oh, now I'm a thief or, or whatever, you know? Especially if their stats re- change to re- resolve that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I've never run this with higher level characters. Um, to me, I don't know that, you know, if you're first level, you're already an adventurer. Hopefully that's what you want to be doing with your life. So it kind of like throws the intro part where you're living this life that you hate, that you don't feel like you belong to. Hopefully, you know, hopefully by the time you're first level, you sort of, you know, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe not. But 
Um, but yeah, I never actually, I've never run this as a higher level thing, but uh, yeah, I think I would have them. Yeah. I think I would allow them to actually change if they rolled high enough, say in that, you know, those top two or three brackets there and the uh, chart. Um, yeah. I think I would allow them to, uh, to actually re-roll their profession and their, uh, basically you wouldn't re-roll it. You would decide to be a new character class, like everything else, losing all of their old abilities, but gaining new ones. Sure. Well, in okay. some ways, you could put it at the end of any funnel, too, right? You could pretty oh, yeah. easily oh, yeah. kind of, you know, work it in, and it would feel... I just figured, who better to ask than the person who wrote the damn thing? <laughs> you could have put it at the end of full dark no stars, you know, where, <laughs> you know, and just send us back, send us back from being yeah. 10th level patron destroying gods to zero level gone farmer, you know, do the whole complete Hashtag the chain. goals. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, I have an aspiration now. Thanks. <laughs> so, I mean, looking back after all this time, and it's been run a ton and all that stuff, I mean, is there anything that you change when you run it or anything that if you were going to go back, like one thing you left out, you'd put in or, you know, any, yes. you know anything like that? Yeah. Um, uh, yes, absolutely. So I, I've run this adventure since publication. I've run this adventure Easily more than a hundred times. Um, mm. You know, I've, I've absolutely lost count. Um, uh, so there's a cooking area in there with a cook stove in there. There no, there's no way they're going to cook inside there and have that smoke accumulate inside there. So mm. that smoke would have to go outside. So very early on, you know, like maybe the second or third time I um, ran it, I had some players say, "Well, we'll, we'll walk around the entire thing. Do we see anything?" And I'm looking at the adventure. I'm like, "Well, God, those guys are cooking in there." Of course, you're going to see smoke. So then I kind of decided <laughs> there was a smoke hole. And once I decided that, I was like, like, how do I not, you know, like, how did I miss that part? Because that winds up being a lot of adventurers wind up now that I, you know, now that I mentioned that every time when they go around, a lot of people mentioned like, you know, that's how they get in there. They wind up climbing up the outside and they drop a rope down and then they all go inside and then they are able to get the drop on Carlos and them. It's more interesting for me because they can actually, hmm. I have them actually speak with people a little bit before the fight happens. And sometimes that fight never happens at all at this point, because they just show up. We're already here and you're, you know, we've, we've gotten past your traps and your deadfalls you know, you better, you better deal with us, you know? Um, and uh, so, yeah, so I would definitely include that detail. Um, also, there's a, um, the, there's a secret, there's a hidden chamber inside there with uh, the magical artifact spear. Oh yeah. Oh, and by the way, that the, the runes on that artifact spear, I think it says, uh, I think it says uh, to serve demon spear or something like that. Hmm. Um, it's a, uh, it's a what do you call it? A uh, oh, uh, it's, it's an anagram. Yeah, but I have completely forgotten what it's an anagram for. I mean, completely. Uh -oh. No way. Worked on it for like a whole day. Spear demon. Yeah, and it's I I don't. But it, it's something like this is a lie, or you know, <laughs> the lady in blue is is screwing you guys over. It's something along those lines that I, I just cannot recall it anymore. So hmm. you know, but, but you it's know. it is it is worth mentioning that even though. Um, even though the Titan is mostly there as kind of a backdrop and this kind of crazy window dressing, weird fantasy thing, you can, I mean, you're even a zero level guys, if you get the spear, you can sacrifice your life to basically kill the Titan, right? Sure. I mean, which is also awesome. It's not very easy in finding that place. I don't, I'm not sure that 
any of my guys found it in my adventures. I think I've had maybe two groups find it ever. Did they um, kill the giant? No. I think one, I think maybe (laughs) one of my guys found it and they didn't kill him either. So it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, So. Well, great. Brendan, man, it's it's great to have you on. Thank um, you so much. And uh, this has been really fun. I hope, uh, folks, I hope you're enjoying our adventures. We'd love to get your feedback. We have more to come uh, with other guests, of course. And you feel free to uh, send us some emails and uh, request, you know, writers or adventures or whatever you think. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, you know, you can, of course, email us at band at spellburn.com. Leave us some iTunes reviews. Send us some more bumpers. Uh, we had we got a couple from Harrison and Tony there that were awesome. So uh, it would be good to have that. Uh, I know there's a whole bunch of uh, Facebooks and Twitters and Discords out there. So um, I think you know where to find us, but I don't. And then, uh, you know, help our friends and uh, fellow um patron gods like uh, Michael Curtis and Appendix N Book Club. Um, they have Patreon pages, some th- which have special benefits and all that jazz, so go check them out. Uh, and that is about it. Any parting shots, uh, Judge Jeff, Jen, Judge Brendan? Just uh, thank you so much for having me on, and uh, if you guys are out there, you know, keep listening to Spellburn, and I hope to see all of y'all at uh, DCC Days, and uh, hey, Empire of the Cyclops, uh, con is coming up and uh, come on there, sign up, play a game with me. Yeah, and I'll throw out there that uh, now that the world is starting to um, now that we're moving into a direction where we can start hanging out together in real space if you can go to an in-person convention and sign up to have Brendan LaSalle run a game for you. I guarantee you it is like the most fun experience you can have. Like it really is like it's an iconic experience. Have one. Thank you, Absolutely. Jeff. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. It, it, it is it is the way to encounter DCC in the wild. Uh, I definitely <laughs> second that. So uh, absolutely, if you uh, if you haven't done it, do it. And if you have done it, do it again because uh, it's it's always going to be good. So um, with that, we'll say good night uh, and nothing else but game on. See you guys. You've been listening to Spellbird. Copyright 2017. Our theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.